All right, boys and girls, it's been a long time between episodes. Welcome to episode 13 of the Crack Pit podcast. Um, as I said, it's been a while since we recorded anything before. And normally when I'd have Alex Changi or Mr. Lee Austin on um, on a Zoom with me or in, in person, normally sculling a few pints and um, talking shite into the microphone. But today I'm joined by Tim. How do you pronounce your second name? Ro- Ro- Roger? Roker. Roker. What yeah. was this, a Roger. <laughs> Tim Roker. And Tim is uh, currently coaching out of a Create Fit in Southbank here in Melbourne, which is a brand new gym. Shout out to uh, uh, Simon and Heather for opening up a gym in such mad times here in Melbourne with lockdowns and everything. It's, it's probably the biggest CrossFit gym I've really been into. It's, it's right up there. It's even, I reckon it's bigger than Schwartz's CrossFit gym over in Caulfield. Like it's pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Big gym. It's yeah. massive inside. Yeah. Yeah, it's unreal. But fully state of the art recovery centers. Um, there's showers, there's, there's changing rooms, there's a whole shebang. It's the kind of it's the pinnacle of where CrossFit gyms kind of need to be now. You know, when when I set set up and I, as yourself, Tim, you set up a, a gym back in the day as well. We started off with just warehouses. It's a shed. Yeah, just a fucking <laughs> shed. And you had a few barbells. You know, if you had a toilet, you were lucky. Uh, but there was like very rarely yeah. a shower in the place. But nowadays, I feel like if you're opening a CrossFit gym, you do you do need to have all the bells and whistles. You need to have the changing room, the shower facilities, recovery rooms, all that sort of stuff. Because that seems it's to like be... A, yeah, it's like a Globo gym now, but just a CrossFit area instead of all the machines in the middle, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're in the Melbourne area and you want to check out a brand new CrossFit gym that's well worth having a look at, Create Fit, um, Create Fit South Bank is the place to be. But um, just a little bit of background on Tim. Jim, uh, Tim uh, ran his own gym there for three to four years. And where was that gym located? Okay. Torquay. You're down in Torquay. That's right. And, and, and you, you finished up running that gym about two years ago. You were working out of CrossFit Verde down in Keysborough? That was prior to the gym. Oh, that was prior. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you can continue on there because there's a few places you worked in. So I'll let you continue. Yeah, so I, I think it was about 2011 when I moved up to North Queensland, to Cairns, um, and I started working in, they just launched a centre attached to the Genesis franchise called FTC, which was, like I said to you earlier, it's, CrossFit without the affiliate fee. Mm. Um, it was, they had a heap of stuff in there. They had all sorts of like TRX classes and a thing called Synergy 360, which was like a $150,000 kids playground to train adults on. It was, it was a giant waste of money. It was a very weird setup. Yeah, but yeah. Um, the bulk of that place was a, was a CrossFit gym, um, which eventually moved into like the CBD of Cairns above one of their their centers but they're a, a couple owned i think or they were brother and sister there's different sort of lines to blur there uh i think they were brother brother and sister i'll tell you back but they owned i think eight gyms in like the cairns region so i sort of worked between all of them and then ended up just in ftc which was like a, a crossfit based program yeah good stuff and good then stuff. after that was keys borough once i keys moved borough. back yeah i didn't do my level one until 2014 or 15 or something like that um which i'd already done crossfit for like six years at that point so it was like 
I could have done the test with my eyes closed at that point because I was definitely drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, watched every single YouTube video that they had and knew the course book like the back of my hand. And then, yeah, moved from that down to Geelong, worked at a gym down there in Grovedale for a year, had my own and then finished that up. And then last year during COVID, uh, I worked in construction for the whole year because gyms were shut um, and then got back in pretty much at the start of this year, really um, started at the box in Chelsea, which is owned by Aaron and Candice who own, owned CrossFit Verde. Um, and then started with, I had a coffee with Simon, who's one, one of the owners of Create Fit, um, just to ask about what the gym was like. And then that conversation turned into me suddenly doing, I think I coached for most hours out of everyone in there now. I don't know how that happened, but um, ended up in there. Um, and then that's where I am now for probably 90% of my work week, I'd say now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So it's fair to say, Tim, you have a, a pretty decent understanding of CrossFit. I've done, I've, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know some stuff about it and I've done it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of you, the, your start seemed to be around the same uh, date as my, or your start and my start in CrossFit seemed to be in and around the same time, like 2008, 2009. Yeah. And that's when CrossFit really started to kind of bubble up. And probably 2010 and 11 was when it started to become this thing that people were like, oh, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Um, it was weird at the start. I think you can agree that the people that started doing it, like when I did it, was like, it was just a again it was a shed where i went to in morning to and it's just it's just weirdos that weren't there like do you know what i mean it wasn't it was the people that you saw wearing vibram five fingers in the gym trying to fucking balance on a bosu ball doing single leg deadlifts with a band around their neck like then they just had a place to go yes <laughs> yes yeah um, yeah, and then until now, obviously, it's broken into the mainstream. But those initial, especially in Australia, those first few years was very... And the gyms were all very... There was obviously higher-level gyms, like um, like I'm sure Schwartz's was already ahead of the curve of everyone else. And then, like, Matt Swift's gym in uh, Brisbane, at CrossFit Brisbane, I think that was, like, the gold standard That's of right. what a CrossFit gym should be like. But some of the... I won't name any names because some of them are still there, but some of the gyms I went to early on from Melbourne down to like on the peninsula, some were good and some were strange. Strange. <laughs> nice, uh, nice choice of words. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, like I remember getting involved in it at the very beginning. And when I did set up my own gym and stuff, like I remember, because this is kind of where we're going to take this conversation, you know, uh, moving slightly away from CrossFit, which is I've sold my gym as of the beginning of this year. And definitely in the last four years, my training philosophies around CrossFit have definitely changed. But taking us back to kind of the, the beginning, I remember what I used to be like, you know, and, and as I said, I, I was a weirdo. I was one of those guys. Yeah, like, yeah. And I, then I became the, the leader of the cult weirdo. <laughs> like, so you would see sometimes people doing bicep curls with the barbell. And you'd crack the shits about it. You'd be like, we don't, we don't, yeah. do, we don't do bicep curls and crossfit. We do, we do keeping pull-ups and snatches. Yeah. That's what we use the back. We're functional athletes. You know, I'm yeah. like rear delt flies and lateral flies and front raise. You see people doing that, you just about run up and hit them with a broomstick. At the Absolutely. Start. You're like, what are you doing? What that's not a crossfit. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and, um, and the, the, the little things like people rocking up. I remember, what, like, I was such a Hitler when I was running the gym. People rocking up late, they would get a lap of the block with the prowler. Like oh, that, fuck. <laughs> oh fuck is right yeah like it was i remembered like make it like being an absolute arsehole when i started off running across the gym but as the years went on definitely kind of relax things because i understand people have lives to live sometimes they're outside of crossfit people have lives yeah they do yeah it's not all about fucking the crossfit class but yeah like definitely my philosophies and my my um uh, a kind of ideas of training have evolved through the years and probably what's what's necessary uh, and what's not necessary for people yeah. to be doing in order to reach a good level of fitness you know the general let's talk general public for for a minute now here because we have your like i think as we we're speaking earlier on create fitness establishing itself as a, a quite a competitive gym and when i say competitive i mean as in um, a uh, they want to build competitive CrossFit athletes, you know, and it's, it's not everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's not everyone that's going to walk into the gym and like, be like, Oh, I want to be a competitive CrossFit athlete. The majority 90% of the uh, people that will walk into the gym are people that just want fitness. Yeah. And so like we have, um, like we definitely have people at the gym that don't want to do comps at all which um, like there's options at the gym, like things like that CrossFit move that we have, um, which is just like, a, it's not watered down because the classes are still quite hard. Like they're definitely, you sometimes they're harder than, than the CrossFit class, but they're just less technical. So they're not going to have things like snatches or muscle ups or handstand walking or, you know, it's very rare that there'll actually be a barbell. It's usually like a kettlebell, dumbbell based class. Um, and then there'll be things like the assault bike or air bike the concept two rower or the ski ergs or things of that nature, as opposed to going like full CrossFit, you know, full snatches at, you know, 30 reps with things like ring muscle ups or bar muscle ups or handstand push ups or those higher skill movements. It's, it's a, not, yeah, like watered down for the technical side, but definitely still up there for the, for the fitness side of things. Um, and then the regular CrossFit classes are kind of, a lot of the members at the gym, which, and they're all, it's awesome because it's you've that, that standard of, um, of person coming into the gym. They, they want to train really hard because they're going towards wanting to do more competitions and stuff, which is, is cool because there's not a lot of gyms that sort of base themselves off that now. Yeah, exactly. And, and you as a coach, Tim, like what, what have you seen change in the, in the last couple of years with the way CrossFit has been programmed? Because I know I, I've got a few ideas on, on what's changed, but I'd like to hear your angle, especially now because you're still coaching. I'm not coaching in the CrossFit scene anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm actually online coaching. But yeah, you're in the belly of the beast. What do you yeah. see is the biggest differences now? Yeah, so we, our, our programming is outsourced. Um, we get it from the game plan. There's a guy named Carter that does that. Um, I've never met him. Apparently he's an awesome dude. Uh, our, like the, the managers and the owners and stuff do more of the, we give feedback on the program and then they, he adjusts it to, to suit. But um, there's definitely a lot more, which is really good uh, isolation movements being brought into CrossFit now. Um, we've had some sessions that have involved um, like, hammer curls and 
there'll be like band tricep extensions. Um, I think we've had lateral flies in there today. Uh, like for the warm up, we had no, we had uh, rear delt flies in the warm up today, for which is awesome because we like I used to program. Well, I, I still do some programming now um, for like the weightlifting and stuff for our gym. Um, but then in the past, like I started to introduce that stuff really late on when I was doing all, all the programming and stuff for the gym. Um, but it, it has such a big place in CrossFit now um, because everyone's seeing a lot of the athletes doing it. It sort of rubs off down the track. So like back, we were saying earlier, you know, if someone was doing like bicep curls with a barbell in your gym, you'd, you'd run them down and give them, get them to do 30 snatches to uh, just to cleanse their soul of that demon <laughs> that happened. <laughs> uh, but that side of it's changed. And then there's a lot of people, not just in, like not in the gym that I'm in, but a lot of people I've noticed um, who started when I did and around when you did that don't really do CrossFit anymore. They've moved into some kind of hybrid of, you know, mm. more bodybuilding, they still do some Olympic lifting, um, a lot of powerlifting based stuff, but they're less of the of the CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit stuff, the competitive side of it, um, which, yeah, seems to be where a, a lot of people are sort of heading in that direction now. Um, but there's definitely still a huge calling for people wanting to compete and do competitions, um, which is still both are awesome there's nothing wrong with either one of them. It's just, there's a big split now happening in CrossFit gyms of people that come in to get a pump and people that are coming in to, to practice for competitions. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, for CrossFit gyms popping up, that, that's an important um, message that they need to hear. If, if you are thinking about opening up a CrossFit gym, know that the, there is two sides of the spectrum there. You have people that do want to do the competitive CrossFitting and then the people that just want to look good naked. Yeah. You know, um, and that's a lot of the reason why people get into fitness because we were talking about this earlier. It's like people have seen the CrossFit documentaries that are on Netflix and they see the physiques of yeah. these athletes and they're like, fuck, they're doing CrossFit. They look like that because they're doing CrossFit. I, if I do CrossFit, I look like that. Yeah. But I think the important thing to realize about, especially at the beginning when these documentaries were popping up, is this is an American-based sport. It was its its origins is in California, where you it was a military type thing that was kind of like it, 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 the special forces kind of adopted before anyone else did. Now these athletes that came up at the very beginning had all been doing some sort of bodybuilding isolation style training before they got into the CrossFit. Yeah. Or if you look at like them at the start, like when the CrossFit games, like the 2009, 2010 CrossFit, I think even like 2011, like the year Graham Holmberg won it. He, I don't know if you know this, he smoked a packet of Marlboro Reds a day and he won it. That's impressive. That's more impressive. <laughs> um, it's on his documentary, but Jesus, um, I retained that out of everything. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm still smoking weed. Um, no, but there's like, if you look at the size difference in the guys when they were like, when he won versus even the following year, 
they all went from doing one workout a day, eating well and being really fit. And they were like 80 kilo, you know, normal sized humans basically. And then within a year, they looked like they just jumped on the Arnold supplements and just gone through the fucking roof, really. Yeah. Came back just massive. And then once Rich Froning took over the scene and was like, yeah, I just work out for like 12 hours a day. I don't eat anything but peanut butter and jam. Mm. And then I just do that every day until I win. People are like, oh, okay, cool. That's how you do it. I'll just never stop working out. And then that's when you just see yourself get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier and you can't work out why they look like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things going on <laughs> that we're not, maybe not super aware of, but um, yeah. they, they are happening. They are happening. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you where the biggest change came from for me was, um, do you remember the Barbell Shrug podcast? Yeah. 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 Yes. Okay, so I was like, you know, if anyone like from back in our time, that was our go to that was our holy Bible, of yeah. you know, education when it came to CrossFit, because there was these three guys that would go around doing podcasting with all these top athletes in CrossFit and outside of CrossFit. And it was just amazing. And then they done a podcast with this guy called Julian Pinot, the strong fit guy. Yes. So there, there was a double podcast of like two episodes. And basically this, this um, French guy, at yeah. the, and he lived in California, but um, he basically pulled apart CrossFit. He, um, and, 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 and said that there's athletes getting certain injuries in CrossFit because there's three elements that he would use to diagnose like an, an issue with a person. There's, there's a weakness in the muscle there's an imbalance in the muscle or there's a deficiency in the muscle. And he was able to literally say, right, because CrossFit athletes do this style of thing all the time, they're going to be, there's either going to be weakness or deficiency in this part of the body. And sure enough, like he, as he was talking, I'm like, that's exactly what's wrong with me. Yeah. You know, there was stuff, there was stuff he was saying. And then he, the, the best thing about his podcast was he, not only did he pick apart some of the issues in CrossFit, but he also gave a fucking solution. Which is where it's sort of headed now in that yes. a lot of programming now is like, here's your CrossFit, but also let's not let you fall to pieces. Correct. Yeah. Right. Because this is, the, this is the point I want to make because people probably will think from sometimes the way I talk that I hate CrossFit. I do not hate it. I ran a CrossFit gym for 10 years. Yeah. I just see that there's important elements that do need to be added in to make your CrossFitting better. There ain't nothing wrong with people, you know, putting like, like snatches, clean and jerks, kipping pull-ups into a, uh, a workout and going ham at it. There's no, nothing no. wrong with that. That, 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 that. that creates a stimulus for certain people. And it's a bit of fun to go in and have that competitive a- a- atmosphere with people. Loads of people love that. Competitive sports are fucking fun. But yeah. there is certain precautions, I feel, that a lot of people need to take in order to do those movements better. Like, for example, that the, the kipping or butterfly pull-up not necessarily doing more kipping or butterfly pull-ups will make that better, but, you know, strengthening the lats, doing those rear delt raises, because the more musculature that's around a joint, the more it's protected. And that's basically where Julian came in and he said, right, these, all these movements are good. They're fun. However, you know, there's going to be a certain point when fatigue kicks in, you know, the, the muscle st- like stops working and you start hanging on your joints. And then if you're doing that a lot, 
all of the time, then you run into issues. Yeah. But which if, is, go on. if you listen to like even I, one of the guys I used to train with thought that guy was the new Jesus um, and like came into the gym and he's just like, we're doing it all wrong. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, you've got to listen to this guy. Is it it's Julian Pinot, isn't it? That's, That's true. Name. Yeah. He's a beast of a human too. He's Absolutely. And he's like, you've got to listen to this. I went and I had the exact same thing. I was sitting there looking at the, like listening to it. Um, and I started watching things on YouTube and I was like, fuck, this guy's actually right <laughs> about a lot of this. And then around that time was good, especially his use of like uh, sandbags was the big one. My mate went out and bought like sandbags galore. He just had it. And then I think he took up half of the beach from Geelong just to, <laughs> to fill him. But but um, it was a it was an interesting shift of of mindset for a lot of people to just because mm-hmm. I you probably did what I did at the start too of like at least three hours a day of metcons and anytime someone came in and was like oh can I do open gym yet yeah. well what are you doing disregard whatever you'd done that day if they wanted to do if you yeah whatever they were doing you were going to do as well 100%. and I'd, I'd have that happen everywhere I worked, you know, I'd finished training and like, especially when I was in Cairns, I worked with um, two ex-military guys and like, I just finished training, be laying on the ground dead. And then they'd come in and go, Oh, we're just going to do this like vest run for four K's and then um, 10 sets of max butterfly kipping pull-ups and you, you, you know, you reps your score. And I'd just done everything else involving those movements and that I was 20 or so 21 and I'd be like, oh, I just finished. They're like, yeah, we don't give a fuck. You're a pussy. You get up off the floor. We're going now. I'm like, and then, you know, oh, okay. Yep. We'll do that then. And then after I got kidney stones when I was living up there training with those guys, cause I was drinking like three liters of water a day thinking it was enough. And, um, it wasn't, fuck. <laughs> but that yeah. was like, I was probably training at least three to four hours a day monday to saturday and then sunday i'd have a nice rest day of like going to some waterfall and climbing up rocks for fucking six hours or something yeah. so buried myself but yeah. it, the way that it's the way that people kind of approached crossfit after that guy changed a lot and as well as crossfit football too mm. um i don't know if you remember those guys john wellborn he made a big point of strength being the main component and then having the fitness on the side of it, which is, I think, what Julian made a point of as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the blood and guts of it all. It's like develop your base. Julian's statement that I always quote is like, he wants to build your base as wide as possible so we can build that pyramid high. Yeah. And that's, that's basically his philosophy. There's a couple of core functions when it comes to building your base that you need to get right. But once you, once you get them right then the height of your pyramid is is limitless yeah and even like uh like matt fraser for example is coming out saying all the things that he did while he was training now like Mm. he did strict pull-ups all year until like 12 weeks before you know two weeks before one of those comps he'd do it and then in the 12 weeks leading up to the games or something is when he started to keep everything and stop using yeah, he'd, he'd do workouts with with a band before he did kipping pull-ups earlier in the year to have less impact on his body so that he could 
peak it at the right time of the year, That's um, which definitely goes a long way. Like, I mean, I, I just before the last lock or not whichever lockdown it was, I don't know, lost now. Um, but one of them, I signed up just to look at what his program was and did it for a while. And every probably three or four days, you're doing like sets of 20 banded pull-ups. And I was like, I, I don't think I've ever done banded pull-ups. Like other than demonstrating it for, to someone who needs that as a, as a scaled down option, I'd never actually done it as part of a workout ever. And I could not believe how fried my lats got, you know, because you can do five sets of 20, no worries with a band. You wouldn't be, well, if you can do that strict, that's impressive, but your form would probably go to shit at some point. Whereas with this, you can just concentrate on squeezing your lats. And I remember waking up after the first day of it, feeling like someone had just taken a butcher's knife to the side of me and skinned them, just take them off. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot more, especially from the higher end, which will, um, as it always does trickle down is that low impact fitness as a, as a bulk of a session rather than yeah. the high impact stuff being 45 minutes of it. Well, I, I, that's why I think, you know, athletes are just getting, they're getting better. Like, you know, the athletes that are coming through now, the, the age that they are, they're so young, um, and, but they're fucking so strong. And I think it's just, because now they, they have coaches like not to say myself and yourself or self are they're like absolute gods of coaching but we have we have this knowledge now so if you're working with someone like myself and yourself we have seen where people have come from we've seen the transition of what's happened in the fitness industry especially with crossfit and you could implement this stuff into uh, people's programs like i follow you know the chick with the blue hair danielle danielle brandon She's an American yeah, chick. Yeah. yeah, love her. Just saying. Um, <laughs> and, but she's she's a, an advocate for the toe spacers. Yeah, and, yeah, I know you're talking about now. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And like, you know, that sort of stuff. You you might have heard, you know, the squat university guy on you on YouTube on um Instagram. He's yeah. always talking about, you know, planting the feet and being like having the toes fully spread, which you know helps with everything because. Our cues years ago would have been like to fix a knee dive in in a squat will be drive the knees out. But it's, yeah, yeah, yeah drive, but there's so much more to it. Like, you know, it's why is the knee diving in in the first place? Is it yeah. is there something going on in the musculature of the leg? What's the what's going on at the foot level? Now, this is the information that's out there. So it's less of drive your knees out. It's more assess what's going on. Are you planting your foot on the floor? Are you spreading your toes? Is there a full engagement of all the muscles throughout the legs? Is there yeah. a deficiency somewhere? Do you need to warm up better before you hit the squat? Are you going fucking too heavy in the squat? This yeah. is this is the way shit coach now. Yeah. compared to and i'm guilty i'm guilty of it you know it's oh. like i kelly stress made that quote like you know made it famous like but we as crossfit coaches kelly Sturette was fantastic at like bringing awareness to this stuff but we fucked up his cues so kelly would have always talked about screw your feet into the floor and then yeah. drive your knees out so for for me i bastardized that i was just like i, re I removed the screwed the feet into the floor i was like yeah, yeah just drag your knees out so what happened yeah. the feet then the feet kind of lifted off the ground on the inside and you're yeah. on the outside of your foot but what kelly was indicating was the foot stays planted like the squat university guy says yeah. and then then you create that tension in the hip but of course i've actually just re-gone through all of that with my osteo um who 
she's brilliant. Like she's a uh, WBFF pro. She's like the most shredded little, she's about this tall, like shredded little human you've ever seen. But um, she's just recently gone through like more. I've had a lot of IT pro, ITB problems on my left side. And uh, a lot of that's come from, I had a, an arthroscope in my right knee. Um, so driving my knees out to keep the load off the, the inside because it was my medial meniscus that was removed. Um, well, most of there's still some left in there it's grinding away yeah but i was dry i because i'd read uh what was it becoming a supple leopard supple leopard yeah um i same thing screw your knee like screw the floor and drive your knees out i'm like cool drive my knees out and now i've still squatted like that like even like i'm sure i can jump on instagram and find a video of me doing a clean and my all my weight is in the outside of my foot to drive into the floor and when I pull the weight on the bar obviously my whole foot makes contact with the floor so it looks normal but I know all the weights on the outside and my knees are like a v-shape out um which has just put heaps of stress through that hip joint and like I'm now dealing with the repercussions of 10 years or whatever it is of doing that um but now I'm like I've sort of rebuilt my squat and I'm learning to screw the floor I'm, i don't even drive my knees out anymore i just worry about the floor yep. and um huge, almost no pain left in the side of my leg anymore and it took like two weeks to sort it out but it's just in here going don't right. create like it was like you were trying to do a groin stretch while squatting you wanted your knees to go out that far <laughs> absolutely absolutely and, and i had so much back and knee issues for so long until I got onto the sandbags with Julian because working with a sandbag, you just hug it, like doing the sandbag squat as a primer for a main yeah. squat. Number one is you have no choice, but your feet are going to be planted on the floor. That's the first thing that happens. Number two, because you're hugging the sandbag into your guts and squatting up and down, your core's braced. Yeah. Like your lower abs are on, then that activates your in, inner thigh. So uh, for all of a sudden, I could feel my my inside head of the hamstring and my adductors fucking firing up. Then yeah. I would move to the bar. I'm like, shit, this feels so much different, like so much more different, but yeah. good, a good different. Good different. Yeah. And, and from then, like that was touch wood, last back injury I ever had. And my, my training just went to a new level. So I wouldn't be really doing cleans or, or barbell, excuse me, squats as much. I'd be working mostly on the sandbag, squatting a heavier and heavier sandbag each time, just, focusing on it and fuck it was a game changer now my new issue which i'm currently working on with my osteo is my um my adductors are almost non-existent they have haven't done anything in my entire life it seems like now um the only time i would have used them was when i followed um the the guys that do hybrid performance method hayden bow and steph cohen so I, I had a shoulder injury from football that I did and couldn't lift my arm, my hand higher than my shoulder, but I could still bench pain-free. Mm -hmm. So I just did powerlifting for nine months and just followed their program. I didn't do anything. I got up to like 90 kilos, which you've seen how short I am. I was like a little house block at that point. Yeah. Um, but then going back to CrossFit from that was, I made a huge jump in my ability because I'd, built up all the, cause there's a lot of bodybuilding stuff involved in that training. Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, you know, I could, my kipping pull-ups were faster because I had more control over my 
shoulder joint. Whereas before I'm assuming I was probably just flopping around up there like a wet fish and hoping for the best. But yeah, things like those muscle groups, if you didn't do something like a sandbag, sandbag or you can use a dead ball for it as well, I've now worked out. You, if you don't do things like that, then you'll never use them with what's mostly in CrossFit. Yeah. Um, whereas, or especially back then, whereas now, like we keep saying, it's being implemented into even just the warm-up, you know, of once everyone's sort of moved around a bit, then some of the primer things might be something like a, a sandbag or a dead ball squat or some type of isolation movement to target a muscle group that doesn't usually get woken up unless it gets a little poke from something to get it moving. That's right. And I think I think like kind of the moral of our story today here in this little bit of a podcast we've done is basically that don't neglect the isolation work. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's it's it, we've, I feel it's common knowledge now because I feel most programming is adopting that in some way, shape or form. Like do your CrossFit, understand that it, it like understand that it gets you to a point, but your accessory work is your base. And if you yeah. build that base wide, the pyramid goes high. Quote yeah. them again, Julian Pinot. So like, we'll, we'll wrap it up now in a, in a, in a few minutes. But uh, Tim, I want to ask you, what would be your top three movements? And I know I'm putting you on the spot because we didn't uh, discuss this. That's what would be your top three accessory movements be that someone would could do to help improve their CrossFit? Uh, the number one thing that I found worked for me was um straight arm lat pulls um Mm -hmm. so i started doing them on a band um like just grab a band tied up to the pull-up bar grab it wide in the base and pull for your hips um but then now i've sort of progressed to doing it on a pull-up bar where you walk forward so you have some momentum and then almost pull into like a front lever um i'm definitely nowhere near a front lever because i'm not a gymnast but um, just in terms of things like my, almost honestly, it's almost transferred across to my Olympic weightlifting and my powerlifting stuff. Like, because the lat strength has so much help in supporting your back that people sort of neglect it as a as an isolation movement. But that is probably number one, mm-hmm. I would say. Number two would be hamstring curls, um, whether they're banded or with a with a dumbbell if you're in a crossfit gym um it's pretty limited that you're going to get a a hamstring curl machine but if you can sneak into a globo gym and use one then um that would be number two for sure because i've i've like i said i used to play a lot of footy so my hamstrings are like probably this thin from just tearing them all the time but um that has helped a lot with just like my my knee pain uh one and my back pain is the other one i've had a few niggles through there um and then number three i would say probably anything to do any isolation movement to do with the shoulder joint so uh shrugs um front lateral and rear flies would be the the main ones that i just once i started to include them all that weird clicking that i used to have in my shoulder um mostly went away there's still some there just probably things floating around in there but now that they're probably the main three that i find help the most yeah, yeah i like that that's a, that's a yeah that's a good tree yeah um 
I'm going to agree with your first one. I think the lats for a lot of people uh, in CrossFit is a, a bit of a deficiency in some way, shape or form. And definitely there's normally one lat that's a little bit more active than the other because you always see when people do a, like a, a strict pull-up, when they get f- fatigued, you see a shoulder jack up, yeah. uh, the trap jacks up to the ear. And it's normally that side, the lat on that side is probably a little bit unactive or un- underactive. So yeah. like yourself, what you're saying that I, I would pick like a single arm banded row. Yeah. So you're kneeling on the ground, you're pulling from a higher height so you can get a bit of a stretch, but you can kind of rotate your body and get that real squeeze so you can yeah. isolate one side over the other, adding some of that sort of stuff in. My second thing would be core. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the ab wheel, little ab wheel. Yeah, Fuck, yeah. I fucking love it, so I do. I've got a funny story about one of those. My great-grandpa, who I think he passed away when he was 90 two I think it was um I would have been like 11 or something at the time but the one thing I remember about him was he had a fucking ab wheel really yeah and and could still do it on his feet fuck yeah that Um, is impressive I reckon my mum still has it like I'm pretty sure I I could guess that she would still have it at home somewhere but um I feel like though that was the nectar of his life because that's the only thing (laughs) that I can fully remember but I was like I remember him, mum, saying like, oh, this was like your, your great-grandpa's ab wheel. And I was like, the fuck's an ab wheel? And then she explained to me like he used to just do them all the fucking time. Like, so yeah. there you go, ab wheel. Sorry, I won't cut you off. Anymore. No, that, that was good. That's good. <laughs> well, there, well, hopefully we're doing ab wheel rollouts at the age of 90. <laughs> okay. I'll yeah. be surprised if I make it to 90 personally, but... Yeah, because you plan on making it to 120. Uh, everything is good <laughs> yeah and in, in our next podcast we might talk about this man there's peptides that will keep you young forever oh there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a maybe a sneak inside to the, the next the episode next <laughs> yeah but um definitely i'm, I'm, I'm working on the apps if you don't have an ab wheel um planks are, are just as good it's just that lower ab engagement tucking those hips in under uh training the, the muscle and if you if you're listening to this right now poke yourself in the muscle that's just below your belly button and above your pubic bone and see can you create tension there Um, and if you can create tension there that's good if you're unable to then you need to work on it slowly working over time with an ab wheel will train that like the same as doing a plank it's just that isolated um engagement but if you're using an ab wheel you're actually keeping the lap sorry you're keeping your abs on and then you're getting shoulder range of motion as well while yeah. you're keeping the tension on. So I, I really like it for that. On uh, on planks, I was actually having a conversation about, I can't remember when that was, with uh, Damo, who's in it, Create Fit. Um, not you, Damo, other Damo. Yeah. Um, and he, he and I were talking about like people that complain about doing planks on slippery floor and saying that it makes it harder because your elbows slide out. Good. Like, but you shouldn't, that shouldn't happen anyway, because they should be directly under your shoulder and you should almost be pulling them towards your midline to get all that squeezed. Um, I think I would like to start to incorporate even having something like those like slider pads on your elbows and on your feet and then getting people to plank on that because that will teach people how to keep it all together as opposed to using the floor to push into different positions to make it easier to because if you get someone to plank properly like a minute's a fucking long time that's right if you're really doing it properly you can 
let your hips sag and you know load your shoulders up and stuff to make it easier but that's not what the idea of it is yeah. in terms of quality yeah definitely not definitely not yeah and you're right doing it properly will hurt doing anything properly yeah. will fucking hurt if, yeah. it, if it's done right exactly. um and then just my last one then the third exercise i would give people is the one that everyone hates bulgarian split squats oh they're you don't even need weight to make those things. <laughs> Man, yeah, they're fucking horrid. Yeah. And the reason why I love them is because that the front foot, the foot that's out in front, um, that it requires balance. So yeah. it, it ties into that, you know, planting the foot down. So if you're out with that person that fucking hates Bulgarian split squats, just make this your focus. Uh, balance that front foot. Press that knuckle be, uh, behind the, the big toe down and just focus on that. Move up and down nice and slow, but focus on the balance. That yeah. shit will activate all the muscles in your legs anyway. But you do that either before or at the end of your squats, you're improving your squats in the long run. Yeah. Simple as. Have you bought a toe spacer yet? No, but I'm going to. You're going to, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> I can tell by the way you're talking about it. It's just sitting there in the eBay cart and you're just wanting to... Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, going to be, yeah. I'm going to be using Daniela's fucking code as well. Hopefully, she'll come along with the toe spacer. Come and ring you after you, you reckon? <laughs> and there's a I fucking, I'd love to be over in the games just to fucking. I'll be chasing her around. I swear just, to God. Just trying your best. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we'll wrap it up with that, guys. I think we've gone over the half an hour. But um, yeah. Tim, thanks a million for joining today. To, to, today, my fucking words. Yeah. Uh, today so it's been awesome we just got into like you know a bit about training philosophy and maybe as i said in the next episode we'll um talk a little about performance enhancing um supplement supplement uh, our techniques should we say because there's, there's th one of us use and one of us definitely does not <laughs> yeah correct correct exactly cool. right but uh yeah thanks a million uh, for tuning in everyone and tim thanks a million for being on the podcast today give you up Nice. Give you up.